Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's going to take the next few minutes to share some great words of hope, insight, humor, and relevance. In today's lost and searching world, that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Speaking of that, we'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime through our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, there's so many ways to connect with us from there that you really need to check it out for yourself, richardellistalks.com. But right now, let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Pig Out. During the holidays, certain times of the year, there's something that happens to people. They pull themselves up to tables or to buffets and just go at it. They just pig out. There's no restraint. It's like it's here. You're supposed to eat it. I'm one of these people that if I was raised, if you have food in front of you, what do you do? You eat what's put in front of you, right? Stop putting so much in front of you. The other day I sat down, your brain actually will kind of tell you when you sit down, if you look down, your body, your brain will say, I'm not that hungry. But sometimes just out of habit or something we call comfort food in the South, and it's a type of food, but really it serves a purpose. For some people, food brings comfort. It is something to do. It's like late at night, you're watching some movie, you're bored, you're frustrated, you're, something's not right. So, you know, you go into the kitchen and what do we all do? We open the refrigerator, we look in, we pick through everything, throw some molded things out maybe, some lab projects if you've got those going in your house. A lot of single guys do a lot of projects. That milk's turned into cottage cheese, so you can use that for something else. But you open the doors, you pick something, you go eat it, and then what's always fascinating to me is that you go back in about the next commercial break, you go back to the magic refrigerator, and you stand there, and before you open the doors, you think, maybe there's something else in there that wasn't in there 20 minutes ago. (laughs) And you're just convinced that it's going to magically appear if you go back and try again. The same stuff's in there. You go through the cupboards and we try to feel better. And people say, well, but I'm not all into sex and I'm not into alcohol and I'm not into drugs and I'm doing the right thing. You may not be doing the right thing. You may be picking out and it may not be at the table. It may be where no one sees. And we think, well, that's okay. Now, this is a very tough message to do and I'm going to tell you why. Because as I've shared before, I've lost a little weight, but I am still, you know, this body girdle's about to kill me up here. So, you know, I'm not wearing any kind of brace, but you know, you walk around sucking it up and trying to, you know, look like you're skinny or whatever. There are some people who say, well, you can't talk about that because some people are overweight, right? You've got to show some restraint even at the table, all right? They say, yeah, but you don't understand. I really do use food as kind of a drug. Then you need to stop using. You need to stop using. Now, my motivation for changing what I eat, I can sit down and bury, you know, if they bring you chips at a Mexican food place, I don't even know why I order. I can eat, you know, two bowls of chips and I'm finding out that's not a really good thing for losing weight, right? I'm not sure what it turns into, but it shows up pretty big in the mirror. So you say, well, I like chips. This isn't about what you like or don't like. For instance, I still like ice cream, but I go now and it's the size of bowl I choose. It's not that ice cream is evil. Now, if you choose a little bitty bowl, you can do five little bowls. (laughs) See what I'm saying? It's just all in the amounts. You say, well, what does it have to do with God or anything? 
let me just jump way in here and say this. You're killing yourself. And my ultimate motivation, I you know, started working out, changing what I drink. I still hate ordering water, but I say, you know what, God, I am trying to live. And whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, the book says, do all to the glory of God. You've got to pay attention. You are a witness by what you eat and how much you eat. Because if you can't control yourself at a table, people say there may be some other area where he's out of control, she's out of control. Now you say, well, but then skinny people are godly. I'm not saying that either. Because part of the problem, one of the things I deal with with people throughout the years are people with bulimia. Where they're eating as much as you are, they got a problem, a whole nother set of problems in terms of getting rid of the food they've eaten. So there's all kind of crazy stuff that goes with food, very complicated stuff, because we use food to feel better, to fix things. It just doesn't work. It's never going to work. Let me give you some stuff out of the scriptures. Go to Proverbs chapter 30. Some people eat in order to be able to live. Other people live to eat, and it almost becomes a pastime. Proverbs 30, let's jump in at verse 7. And he says here, two things I request of you, deprive me not before I die, remove falsehood and lies from me, give me neither poverty nor riches. And listen to what he's asking. Somewhere in the middle, give me neither poverty nor riches, feed me with the food allotted to me. Now, why does he say, and the New Testament can describe this, we pray in Matthew 6, give us this day our daily bread, right? That's pretty simple stuff, the food allotted to me. And the concern is that when you get way past that, he says, lest I be full and deny you. Part of the problem with excess and abundance and just pouring it on and pigging out in any category of life is you start going, wow, what do we need God for? Look, we got everything we want. One of the great things about fasting is no matter how rich you are, you can feel want for even a few hours a day at a time. And you can separate yourself from stuff and from food and these basic fleshly things that just kind of consume us. And you say, you know what? I feel hunger. A lot of people in the world feel hunger. A lot of people go to bed, wake up hungry, kids. And you say, well, now I have some, I'm not starving. And our kids say that. I say, that. oh, I'm starved. Let's go get something to eat. You're not starving. You know, nothing about starving. We just don't want to deny ourselves anything. He says, feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Every once in a while, it's a good thing to be in need. It's a good thing to suffer hunger, to be in want, because then you realize you actually need him. And you go around the world, whether it's food, whatever the category, the people sometimes who have the least depend on God the most and have to trust him for every meal every day he also goes on the other side of it and says or lest i be poor and steal and profane the name of my god so somewhere something about contentment in the middle there somewhere and knowing when to say no let me encourage you this year during the holidays when you pull up to a table when you thank god for the food thank him and pray for some wisdom if you sit down for a meal, for instance, and you eat whatever you eat, and the person or the restaurant or you're at a deal, and they say, would you like a piece of cake, a piece of pie, maybe? You say, actually, I would. You feel comfortable, you eat a piece of pie. Then they say, would you like another piece of pie? You probably don't need another piece of pie. And believe it or not, the Holy Spirit will actually speak to you and say, push it back, let it go. I don't need that. You see, it's not just your body you're running here anymore. 
I'm running a machine, I'm living in this vehicle of sorts that's got an engine, it's got health, and whatever fuel I am putting in is affecting how I live, how I feel, and maybe even how long I live. And the tragedy for, and where I'm kind of going with this personally, is I got a wife that if I do not take care of myself, I'm going to execute my in sickness and in health clause, but it's going to be a nightmare for her. And there are a lot of people who pig out their whole lives and go, oh God, why did you do this to me? I got these diseases and I can't even get up off the couch anymore. You know what? You did that to yourself. Now, if you've got some issues, some medical issue, I'm not throwing these people under the bus. If it's a medical issue and you're large and that's it, okay, I get that. And don't be judging people. You see, the danger here is you go, I'll suck it up and look around and go, ah, that big guy's here, you know, good for him. He needed this sermon, obviously. <laughs> be merciful, be gentle. You want people being easy on you and helping you, then be an encouragement. Maybe you need accountability in another area. Maybe that person needs accountability with food. Then let's help each other. Let's love each other. Let's encourage one another to get where we're supposed to be going. Don't kill yourself. You say, well, I would never commit suicide. You can commit suicide little at a time just with food. The amount of sugar we put in our bodies. You say, this doesn't have anything to do with church or God. It's everything to do with it because this is a temple. And you are putting stuff in it. You're putting stuff in here with your eyes. You're putting stuff in food-wise. You're putting fuel in there. What are you burning and how is it working? You've got to make a decision. Are you going to live or are you going to die? Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 10, a few pages to the right. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, very interesting thing he says here in verse 17. Blessed are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobles, and look at this, and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. They feast for strength. It is fuel. And if you decide you're going to be a lean, mean, whatever kind of machine, godly, holy machine, and you're going to serve God till the finish line, you say, well, I thought it was about getting out of here. Don't help God get you out of here. And if God intends for me to die at 70, so be it. But if he intends for me to die at 85 or 90, and all I can do is frail as I might be, if I can still disciple somebody as an old man, even if it's one person a week, I'm staying till the job is done. And you need to get that kind of mentality. How are you going to finish the race? And are you going to be in any kind of condition to keep going? And kids say, well, that doesn't matter. I'm young or whatever. You know what? The stuff you do early contributes to your whole life. You can load stuff in you that causes consequences 20 and 30 years down the road. So if you're going to be around and you're going to be healthy as much as you can control, then do the right thing. Think about what you're eating. Matthew chapter 11, turn over there. I had experience the other day. I work out with one of the guys in the church. It's early in the morning. I've never gotten up this early. I still don't want to get up this early. I don't like getting up this early. I got up for something, whatever it was, got to the gym, 5.30, and I was running a little late. I'd hit the snooze button. I hauled down there and ran in the door, and I sent a text to Stephen, and I said, I'm late, but I'll be there. And I got there about five minutes late, ran in, and I said to the lady at the counter, I said, you know, is he here? And she said, no. And then she said this, so are you going home? And I had a moment because that had occurred to me. And I said, no. And then I was lost because without leadership, 
without someone there to tell me and help me and push me where I am right now, I have no self-propulsion. With him there, I will do crazy things to my body that I would never do otherwise. But if there's no one there to make it happen, I ain't doing it. So I jumped on a treadmill, ran a couple of miles, went over and picked up a few weights and thought, I have no idea what I'm doing, and I went home. I never got the workout that I would have gotten if he had been there because I cannot do it by myself. It's just not going to happen. But with help, you'd be amazed where you can end up. So if you are one of these people that secretly eats alone, you stash stuff in your house, you pig out, you say, I don't do it in public, you're doing it somewhere. And you say, it's killing me. People have to have knee surgery because they're buckling under the weight. I'm trying to lose another 20 pounds. Just pick something up that weighs 20 pounds. I'm carrying that around. God made you and he's got a purpose and a plan for your life and you've got to take care of yourself in order to do that. And if you drop dead of something else, that's God's doing. He can allow that. But don't bring it on yourself. Don't commit food suicide. All right, where were we? We're going to Matthew 11. For the sake of time, he's done a deal here about John the Baptist, how extraordinary he is. Jump down in verse 13. We'll just jump in and read. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not lament. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. That's what the religious people were saying about John. And then this phrase, the son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a wine bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is justified by her children. A glutton, let me read you the definition, a person who eats and drinks excessively or voraciously, a person with a remarkably great desire or capacity for something, a glutton for work, maybe a glutton for punishment. Being a glutton is not necessarily, I guess, a totally bad thing, but the context is not great. Now, why did they accuse Jesus of this? Was he a drunkard? No. Was he eating too much? Probably not. It's who he was with. They said by association because those people, that's how they live. What I'm saying to you today primarily is addressing people who are Christians. Do not judge people out there for living that way. Food may be all they've got. And if food's all you got, you got to pig out because that's all you got to live for maybe. And certain things in life shut down. You're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to travel. There's some people that just find the next restaurant just to go have an Epicurean experience, right? Just sit down and oh, the hors d'oeuvres and the wine. And it's just like they turn to three hours is this meal thing and tasting things and the flavors. And it's almost like they're worshiping food. It's not about that. You can enjoy a nice meal, but don't get caught up in food, right? So by association, these religious people said, well, these sinners, he's in there doing all that. He's one of them. The son of man came eating and drinking. And they say, look, a glutton and a wine bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, you better get accused of pigging out with lost people. If you got no lost friends, and I don't catch Jesus by himself in the Bible, so I'm not encouraging that. You find a godly friend, you should have lost friends. You should know people. And you end up in those situations. You don't have to do what they do, live like they live. But if you are completely surrounded by Christians, then something is wrong. 
Now, let me go kind of a little bit out there. I was with a guy a few days ago in a restaurant in a place we were eating. Just met there. And we're sitting over in a corner, and I looked up, and two women walked in. Now, you'd be hard-pressed to come up with one of them being a woman. I'm talking about a couple of butch women, one of them almost a man. And I looked over and saw these two women, one of them big husky cap, you know, barely a woman, okay? So I look over there and thought my thoughts, even commented this gentleman, made some comment about, wow, what's going on in the world? And then I got hit with it. Okay, so what are you doing? So then I had the prompting that I was supposed to go over there and apologize to these two women. So I decided to pray a little while about that. (laughs) So I looked up and they were gone. I was like, I screwed up, but thank God they're gone, right? So we got up to leave. I walked outside and when we got outside the door, there these two women were waiting for me, I'm sure. So he's standing there by me. I stuck my hand out and I said, hey, my name is Richard Ellis. And I said, I need to talk to you guys. I said, I really need to apologize. I said, I pastor a church downtown. And I said, we kind of love everybody. But when you guys came in and sat down, I looked over and sized you up and determined this or that. And, you know, I don't even know you. And one of them said, we've been together for 22 years. And my dad's a pastor. And I said, I don't condone, I'm not saying I approve of your lifestyle, but I said, what I do know is that somebody died on a cross, that Jesus died on a cross, was buried and raised from the dead, and that he loves you. And because of that, I love you too. The butchest one of the two, I don't know how to describe these things. (laughs) And I won't say her name, but this was beyond a tough broad she leaned her head back into her cap and looked at me and a gentleness came over this woman's face and tears in her eyes and something happened there. Now, you say, well, that's an abomination. You know what? Don't be getting your abomination gun out. You might end up shooting yourself in the foot. You say, well, I'm not comfortable with that. I understand that. But God's not comfortable with a whole lot of stuff. You say, but if I get out there in my workplace and in the world, I'm around these people. You better be around these people. That's where Jesus was. Now, did he conform to their life? No, but he was with them enough that he could reach them. And if we are actually letting him live in and through us, you're going to get in some places where you may not be comfortable, but he is. And you may be saying things you don't want to say, but if you get out of the way and let him speak, he can reach people because their issue is not their lifestyle. Their issue is their heart. And if a person's heart doesn't change, their life is not going to change. Their lifestyle is not going to change. But if I'm not even in a position to have a conversation and speak truth and love and reach a person because they see that I love them regardless of what I see, You say, well, but it's obvious they're sinners. You know what? Get you a mirror. And frankly, Jesus said more about staying away from religious people than he did lost people and about how we should interact with Christians who are non-repentant. But stop expecting a lost world to live a holy life. They're not going to do it. They can't. They have no power. So whatever their lifestyle or whatever they're partying or whatever they're doing, stop judging all that. You can't change that. God changed their heart. He'll change their life. 
But see, if you claim, and I claim to be a Christian, and I still am looking across the room, judging people, and wagging my finger, condemning them, I can't even get close enough to have a conversation. And if you don't deal with your own issues, if I don't deal with my personal sin, whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, food, if your deal is you're picking out quietly or just brazenly, you know, you live for the smorgasbord, then you've got to say, God, I'm out of control. Something's wrong here. You've got to help me get in line with you, who you want me to be, so that you can send me out here. You're just, you know, a prisoner of war, basically neutralized. And the devil goes, whatever, that guy, we got that guy put away. He's got some struggle. She can't get away from it. They're not going to do anything. And usually people that judge biblically, they got issues. If you want to see somebody's got issues, just watch somebody judging. Who art thou, old man, the old King James Version? Who art thou, old man, who judges another, for thou doest the same thing? It's no-brainer. Watch what somebody's wagging at, and that's exactly what they're dealing with. Let me read you something out of a commentary. I don't do this a lot, but there's a verse in Philippians chapter 3, and I will read you a few verses of this. Verse 17, he says, Brethren, join in following my example. And note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I've told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the work by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Listen to this commentator on this passage. He gives us the characters of those who were the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose God is their belly. They minded nothing but their sensual appetites. A wretched idol it is and a scandal for any, but especially for Christians, listen, to sacrifice the favor of God, the peace of their conscience, and their eternal happiness to it. Gluttons and drunkards make a God of their belly, and all their care is to please it and make provision for it. The same observance which good people give to God, epicures give to their appetites. The Bible talks about having a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. When your hunger and thirst for the things of the world, whether it be food or alcohol, whatever it is, think about the cravings you get. Everybody know what I'm talking about, cravings? I don't know where I was the other day. I told Rebecca, I said, I need an El Phoenix cheese enchilada with onions in it. I had something go off in my brain and I found it within 24 hours <laughs> and sat there and ate it. But you know what happened to me at that same meal? I ate too many chips. I should have shut down with one cheese enchilada and I didn't do it. And you know how I felt? Horrible. Not from guilt, that too, but I felt physically horrible. And any sin, when you cross the line and the Holy Spirit says, that's it, we're done. No, you've gotten out of line, stop now. Anything you cross that line, you are going to feel bad, right? Somehow you've got to listen to the Holy Spirit. Is he trying to ruin your life? No. Do I get to eat? Yes. Is there any good thing he's withheld from you? No. If he withholds something, it's for your good and for his glory. You've got to trust him. Richard will be back in a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest. Real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. 
So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or online at richardellistalks.com. And now let's get back to Richard with a final word on today's show. If I said, okay, here's the challenge. You got issues with pigging out and because of your own issues, you have been taken out of the battle where you can't even engage with another lost person because you're so judgmental of everybody else because your own sin you won't deal with, you're out of the game. And you'd say, you know what? You're right. He's right. It's right. I got to do something. I can't stop by myself. Like you can't work out by yourself. I can't stop eating. I can't stop drinking. I need accountability. I need somewhere where I can tell someone what I'm doing. And maybe you have to do this. You find someone you trust enough and say, I need you to come to my house and look in this cupboard, and here's what I have. I need this out of my life. It is killing me. I am going to my food before I'm going to my Savior, and I'm done. You say, well, if you do that once and for all, it'll be over. It may be a problem till the day you die, but don't stop trying. Don't give up. You've been listening to Richard Ellis Talks. We really appreciate that you've spent this time with us, but we want to keep the conversation going with you. A couple of ways you can connect with us is by giving us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD. That's 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is through our website, richardellistalks.com. You can email us, sign up to get the daily talks sent to your phone each day, write on the prayer wall where we can pray for you, or even stay in touch through our Facebook page at Talk with Richard. We love bringing you the program every day, but it means even more to us when you let us know how the program has helped you. So call 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. Finally, if you enjoy the program, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us. richardellistalks.com. So until next time, have a great day and thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.